welcome to Small Steps Living, the The podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordaff, bringing you inspiring stories to help you transform your life one small step at a time. Here at Small Steps Living, we're keeping it real. Kick back and And enjoy enjoy the show. show. Hi, everyone. I'm pretty excited about my first podcast interview, and it just happens to be with the freaking podcasting queen. Set my sights a little high, but luckily enough for me, she's actually one of my closest friends. Lucky, lucky me. Welcome, Carly Nimmo. Thank you, Lisa Corduff. Of Radcasters Podcasting School. Learning from the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So today I want to talk to you about a few things. We talk a lot. Um, We found each other when we both started, or I don't even know when we found each other, but we both did B-School. Yep. And I found you in that community. I was always a bit intimidated by you because you were like- I find just totally fucking weird, but yeah. It's true. true. I was like, Carly Nimmo um, has her own voiceover artist business. Like that must mean she's the real deal. And you have a very cool voice. Thank you. Yeah. And since I've known you, we've both kind of gone from knowing no, not knowing what the hell we were doing, but wanting to do something genuine and to then, uh, like you've watched a lot of very ugly tears of mine <laughs> yeah. in, this, in, in this journey over the last 18 months. And I've watched you just kind of really try and find your feet again after a pretty big biz disaster. Yeah. And look at you now. Like, yeah. you know, you're riding high. But you're a person who I really look to to bring. <laughs> you often kick my ass when I need to be kicked. Um, you have a worldliness and uh, groundedness about you. So... I kind of feel like I struck very lucky in the friend department with you. (laughs) But today I wanted to talk to you about success, right? Yeah. (laughs) Because it's this word that, you know, both of us grew up in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, both in Melbourne, different parts of Melbourne, but Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Different parts. (laughs) Let's just be honest. I come from Bogan roots. <laughs> and I am middle-class suburbia all the way. <laughs> um, so we we both were in that like, in Finley finishing high school, you can do and be whatever you want. You know, yeah. there was no restrictions. I didn't feel, I didn't understand glass ceiling. I had no concept of it really. I was school captain, you know, it was all, it was all happening. You know, uni was there. We both got jobs. It was like success is yours for the taking. But then shit didn't happen in some cases. And life isn't all roses. And you don't always get the jobs you want to get. And the businesses that you start don't always take off. And life gets real. And then we have to also... When I think when you have kids, you realise that, you know, you can't have it all. Like you can't do it all, I think, is more the thing that I've learnt. And it's confronting, I reckon, to have been someone who went through life just going, yeah, it's all going to happen. And then sometimes it doesn't. And then you have kids and then, (laughs) (laughs) whoa, you know, that's full on. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk to you about was I would love you to tell your story a little bit about where you've come from, the um, the old the OC, which everyone mm-hmm. will hear about, and then and how you've kind of moved through that journey because I think there's so much value for other people in, in hearing that and hearing how you see it now. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I think, you know, my background, you know, I wasn't really in it. Uh, yeah, I kind of have always been an over, overachiever, but I was never like, super uber cool or school captain or anything like that. So you weren't as cool um, as me. That's okay. It's yeah. all right. We can still but be then friends. if I went to my school 
and was that person. Like I think it's survival of the fittest sometimes, you know, and for me, like being school captain, I don't think we even had a school captain. That's how pov my school was. <laughs> Stop. We didn't actually. And even if we did, no one would go for it because if you did, you would be just a total loser. You know, I mean, my toilet was the kind, my toilet, it was kind of like a toilet. My school was the kind of school where they had smoke detectors in the toilets, um, you know, and and there were teachers smoking and anyway, like it was just not a, not, not a fantastic school <laughs> to say the least. Um, and then I went to uni and didn't really know what I was going to do with my life and I ended up doing arts because, you know, hello, what That's else what do you I do did. when you don't yeah. know what you're going to do? Yeah. And I loved photography and I always had loved sound, but nobody ever told me I could do anything with sound, you know, in uni. I, throughout my childhood, I was just like double tape deck girl, recording my voice, pretending really? like to make up songs. Oh, yeah. Like um, I was either recording myself singing, which I don't do anymore <laughs> but, or I was just recording myself doing pretending to do the news or like having my brothers come in and I would interview them and stuff on this Get double tape deck. I, I know and and you know the weird thing is that when I went through uh you know if I fast forwarded to 2009 when I had like a, an emotional kind of breakdown really deep depression anxiety and that was really when I started seeking my purpose because before that my life had just been you know, I don't know, kind of career focused. I, I don't know, like, I don't know if it was ticking the boxes, but it feels very uninspiring to the point, to that point. Like it was a lot of partying. There was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of good times. And then, you know, getting close to 30. Oh, I think I, I was 30. And then bam, like kind of a quarter life crisis of sorts where I just, thought, what's, what the fuck am I doing, you know, with my life? And at that point I, I was already running a successful business on my own. Um, so, but I just felt there wasn't like any meaning to my life. I'd become really disconnected to who I was, you know, as a person <laughs> beyond the partying and the drugs and the, you know, alcohol and the, all the other stuff, the fun stuff. <laughs> um, so when, when that kind of, when I moved to this town where I didn't really know anyone, um, everything started to unravel because my identity was no longer what I was before. You know, it was just like here I was in this town knowing no one with a bit of depression and a lot of anxiety, finding it very diff difficult to connect with people. Mm. And so during that period I actually did a whole bunch of healing and like crazy stuff, <laughs> some really cool stuff. Like, I mean, I did therapy and group therapy and, um, you know, I don't know, like, angel therapy and like all kinds of woo-woo stuff and all just all kinds of stuff to try and get myself out of this funk. And one of the exercises was, you know, to do some inner child work and, and go back into my childhood and look for clues as to what my purpose may be because I was desperately seeking a sense of purpose. And even then I just, I didn't like think, oh yeah, I'm kind of already living my purpose because I'm a voiceover artist and when I was a kid I was using the double tape deck. I was looking for something with meaning, mm. you know, mm. true meaning that would change people's <laughs> lives and, you know, it just had to be big. And I've said, I think I might have said this before, but it's a, a, a phrase that I use a lot and that's like the Oprah complex, you know, yes. where whatever you do has to be big. It has to be like impactful on a global scale, and that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself when you're yes. really a nobody who's living in the middle of nowhere, really upset and not really liking yourself very much. Like that's that's a hard thing to... It's that one big idea. Like yeah. you hear about it a lot, like what's the idea or what's the one thing I was put yeah. here for? Yeah. And that's dangerous because mm. it's external, mm -hmm. you know. It's and and that actually was what led me into starting the Office Collective. Was, you know, I had moved around so much and I had been really depressed and anxious and found it really difficult to, to to connect to people because my nerves were so horrible and I was so depressed that I was like, you know, constantly overthinking everything. So, you know, anything that I said, it was like that person thinks I'm a dickhead kind of thing. Like I was just so horrible to myself, and then. And then I kind of started to come through that and I was seeking that real big thing. What's the next big thing for me? And at that point in time, I had moved back to the Byron area, um, which was a place where I'd felt like I had belonged before. And all of a sudden, 
I was back to the lonely place again. You know, I had moved from a lonely place to somewhere that had felt like home before and it no longer felt like home. And I didn't have my community. Like I just didn't feel like I had anyone. And I really wanted a sense of community. I really wanted people around me who were also entrepreneurs and got me, um, you know, because at this point I think I'd been working for myself for maybe, I don't know, five or six years, six years maybe. And I loved business and so I joined a whole bunch of networking groups, but I wanted something more and I wanted to change people's lives, you know. So here I was sitting on a um, kind of like a very uh, fairly rural setting, which doesn't suit my personality at all. <laughs> And, you know, literally about 20 minutes drive from anyone, which was better than the four hours drive from anyone that I was living in before, but, you know, still just as isolated, just as lonely. And I thought to myself, if I'm feeling like this, there has to be other people feeling like this. And so I came up with this idea um, at the beginning of 2012 that I was going to start a shared office And it was going to be this place where people could come and be really inspired and we could work alongside each other and collaborate. And and I would use like my bossiness from my childhood because that's something that I, you know, I was always bringing people together and bossing them around and telling them what to do (laughs) and coordinating stuff. And, you know, like I'm always the person that joins a committee and then after day two or the second meeting, they want me to go for the president role because I can bring people together and I can, I don't know, I, I don't see myself in this way. But then next thing I know, it's like, do you want to be the president? It's like, no, I don't want to be. And most of the time I end up doing it, even though I don't want to. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's kind of my personality. I'm someone who brings people in and then directs them kind of. I do it to you on the phone you all the time. the total boss. Yeah, which can be painful, <laughs> but it's who I am. So, anyway open this space and I'm thinking, yep, this is going to be so rad. You know, I'm going to open this and people are going to have to be my friend because it's my business. It's my place. (laughs) They're going to come. So they've got no choice. They have to be my friend. And, yeah, and so I ended up opening it with a business partner, which was not a good choice. Um, I love that girl and we're still very close friends, but in a business sense I did it for all the wrong reasons and um, I thought it was going to help her and that's not a good reason to take on a business partner. <laughs> There's a lesson for you. Um, never take on a business partner because you feel like it could help them. It's just not Rule what number you do. number one. Number one. <laughs> um, number two, actually, this is number one. Never start a business to fulfil a need within you that isn't being met. So for me, I started this business because I felt lonely and I needed that hole filled. So essentially what I did was <laughs> sign an ironclad commercial lease to buy myself some friends. And there were other bits and bobs to that story too. I wanted to impact people and I wanted to change their lives and I wanted, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the real crux of it was I wanted some friends. I wanted to belong because mm. I hadn't belonged in a very long time. So, yeah, so I opened the doors and it's crickets. And I tried everything and it remained crickets. And then my business partner left because she had to, she had no choice. So that left me in a really tricky financial position because here I am paying about a thousand bucks a week in rent and, you know, electricity with no one to help me pay the bill. And my business was pretty much just, I think at that point I had six members and they all together, they paid one week of rent and that was it per month. So I was out of pocket about four and a half thousand dollars a month. And that didn't include all the money that I'd spent to set the place up. So I think I lasted about a year in that business, the the hardest year of my life. I cried every single day. I was incredibly stressed. I was incredibly lonely. I felt rejected. I just like I can't even explain to you how painful that period of my life was because it, you know, it it feels like a different person to who mm, I am now. Mm. You know, when I don't know if you've ever been in a really sucky shit relationship and it's so painful when you're in it 
and then you procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate on leaving. And then when you leave and six months later, you're like, who was that person? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like. It was like I was having a kind of abusive relationship with a, a business. And yeah, and all it was doing was like not filling the space in me mm. that needed filling. And amplifying. So, oh, amplifying it. It like it was like a personal rejection. It was like the whole town thought, you know, I don't know, like it was personal. Every day that I sat in there just waiting for the door to open and then when the door would open I'd just be like, oh, my God, somebody's here, and it would be like someone from council. Oh, don't. <laughs> like it was just horrible. Yeah. And then someone would come in and they'd want to have a look around and I would just be so desperate and, you know, like that desperate guy at the bar who like desperately needs to be rooted hardcore Yeah, and he's just a sleazy, horrible, and you can you know, smell, you can smell, it, smell on it. it. Yeah, you can. You can see And people it. could smell it on me, you know. It was like desperation, sheer desperation. So anyway, th- that went on and on and on. And in the end, it came down to the point where I literally, I clearly remember the day that it all, everything changed. So I had come home because I thought to myself, I can sit here all day or I can just put a sign on the door saying, call me if you want to come in. And so that's what I did. And I went home and I was going to have a coaching call with this wonderful person that we both know, Lisa Wynn. And, uh, and she was, she was just becoming a life coach and so she needed yeah, someone right. to test out Did, her. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't oh know this. <laughs> yeah. So so just before our call, our call yeah. was like at midday and and uh, at about 11.45 I got a call from the ATO. Nobody likes a call from the ATO. No. But me, I have like I have a phobia about the ATO because I've had like it's what that lesson that I just never learn, you know. Put away your bass. Put away your bass. Um, so, so they ring and they say to me, "You owe us sixteen thousand dollars, and we need the money." And you know, like th- those calls are kind of like a shakedown. <laughs> yeah. Like I can just imagine the person in the ATO. They kind of look like my—I was going to say my bogan uncle, but I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I don't think he'll be tuning <laughs> but, you know, into the like Lisa he's going to call in his mates and shake me down for yeah. the cash. You know, yeah. And I just completely lost it because at that point. I had about $400 in my account and Miko had been out of, like he was working on the roads at that point, but it had rained literally for six months. So he was getting one day a week here, one a day a week there. So Killer Copy, my other voiceover agency, was paying for this business, like the the thousand odd dollars or $4,500 a month for the other business. And then I still, outside of that, had to find the money to the $16,000 to pay the tax office and, you know, a commercial lease is ironclad. So I was like, I can't get out of this. So what can I do? I can't pay the ATO. I literally just lost the plot, screaming, crying. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I literally had thought about taking my own life. That's, that's where it was at because that seemed easier than facing you know, bankruptcy, losing my house, all that stuff. Like I just, that, that, that's failure. Like that just felt like a big failure. I just felt like a big failure. So the guy at the tax office said to me, you know, I'll put you onto hardship. I can see that you're really struggling. So let's get you onto hardship. So from that phone call, like two seconds later, Lisa Wynn oh, <laughs> on her first Lisa. ever life coaching call. <laughs> Just to practice. <laughs> yeah. Best practice ever. Yeah. Because I'm just like bawling my eyes and out. And she is no longer crying. a life coach, can we just say? Yeah. Yeah, she is no longer. <laughs> she's now she's now doing trademarks. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry, Lisa. But I'm she's one of I'm one of her customers as a trademark person. Yeah, she's like, doing mine. You know, I've kind of made it up to her. Um uh, so so she, in this call, shows me this image. She, you know, we talk about what's going on. I tell her how, like, how fucked up I am. And she shows me this image and it's above and below the line. And basically there's a line and then above the line is like love and below the line is fear and above the line is abundance and below the line is lack and above the line is hero and below the line is victim and so on and so on. And she goes, tell me where you are on this line. 
every single one I was below the line. Yep, I'm below, 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 below. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, she's like, well, what what would it take you to get you above the line? And I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I can get above the line. And then something just switched in me because I could see that below the line was fear and above the line was love, but the line was choice. Mm. So I can choose the lack or I can choose abundance. I can choose the fear. I can choose love. I can choose victim or I can choose hero. And it was just so powerful for me. It was like looking at that image was like, oh, my God, I have choice. So, and that was the lifeline, like literally the lifeline that I needed was the line. And I just went back into my office after that call and I got a piece of chalk and I wrote on one entire wall, I did the diagram of, you know, above and below the line. And then every day when I sat in that office, I would have a thought and I would look at that wall and I would say, is this above or below? Is it above or below? What's this action? Is it above or below? Okay, so I'm feeling like this. How can I feel like this? And so it was like immediate. When it came to lack and abundance, I was like, okay, how can I feel abundant? Well, I can, I could track all the money that's coming in. You know, I know Mm. there's like I'm hemorrhaging money, Mm. but what if I just switched my focus to the stuff that was coming in, not the stuff that was going out? And so I started, got a whiteboard and I started to track the money coming in. And when I started doing that, it was like, oh, there is money coming in. And then more money started kind of coming in. It, and I don't think it was necessarily more. It was just more that I was tracking it so I could see it, you know. And so that afternoon I had a call with another friend who was also practising <laughs> to be a life coach. And uh, she said to me, close your eyes, imagine this place in all its glory. So it is like pumping. It's full. You're like there, you're surrounded by people. You know, it's, you're making money from it. It's, you're there every day and life's good there. Is that worth this? And like the answer was immediately no. Wow. Yeah. So then she was like, well, now you have a choice. I was like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Because <laughs> I got a choice. And so I I remember I went oh, after that call, I went to the beach because that's my spiritual home. And it's where I, you know, it's the place that I go to anytime I have a question. And I walked on the beach and I said to the universe, because that's what I do. <laughs> if you listen yeah. to my podcast, you know, I talk to the universe oh, yeah. a lot on the beach. Direct download. And uh, yeah, I said, hey, mate, like, seriously, I'm going to close the space and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this lease thing. So I'm going to take a step towards making this happen, but I need you to come and meet me. And and then I thought, I went back and I was thinking, okay, how can I get out of this, you know? It's like, okay, well, you can't get out of the lease because I made a few calls then. I was like, how do, how can I get out of this? You can't. It's a, a commercial lease. Like you, you do have to kind of die to get out of them and then they probably get handed down as a legacy to your children. Um, so then I was like, okay, how else could I get out of this? Well, maybe I could sublet. And so I put it out there and what actually happened was I actually didn't put that out there. I put something else out there. I said, oh, look, I've got a space here. Drop the co-working stuff. I just need to get some people in here. I'll I'll split up the offices and I'll hire them out. And instead, a guy who was on the board of the Chamber of Commerce that I had been working on, because um, that's, you know, what I do, get mm-hmm. sucked into doing community roles. And uh, he contacted me and said, you know, Carly, I love your space. It's the best. I want to move us in and, you know, his business and he'll take over the majority of the space and I would just keep mine and he would pay all the rent and all the outgoings and I would just pay $100 a week, which was the difference between what he was paying at his current space and this space. So it was like perfect. Wow. And um, done. Done. So he would keep all the furniture and use it while he was in there and he was building a place. So that kind of 
dragged on for a bit longer than it should have in the end. Mm. But we got there in the end and actually just recently, last November I think it was, I officially cut all ties. I sold all the last bits of furniture. My name is no longer on the lease and I'm a free woman. And that was like a four and a half year journey. <laughs> but the interesting thing was um, the when I left the co-working space and um, – you know, got the people to sublet it. That weekend I went to celebrate with Miko and I fell pregnant with Mabel. So it was like I'd let go of something really big and something even bigger and probably even more fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she right now? Yeah. You know, that, you know, she came into my life. So that was a blessing. So that's kind of the story of the Office Collective, I guess. It's a massive story and I have only known you after that. Yeah. But it has reverberated through your life and rears its ugly head all the time. And it's this idea that, uh, you know, we try something and it doesn't work and Mm. then you have to get the confidence up to try again. And the, the desire for you to do something that, helps people has not faded yeah I don't think as I've always known you as someone who wants who believes in purpose and service and showing up genuinely in the world in a way that impacts other people positively you know we had the mums who get shit done thing for a while there who knows what will happen with that but it's this this shakiness sometimes that uh, can bring you down, but hasn't. So for you, how do you think that you have in your mind let go of that experience in terms of a? it's a big, massive, defining thing that happened in your life, but you are now, you're still running Killer Copy successfully. You've started um, Radcasters. You're, you're getting a shitload of entrepreneurs into iTunes, which is massively filling your cup, I can see, and you're using all your strengths. So what is the process that you have gone through? Like for people out there who are listening who who just think, you know, how do I recover from where I'm at, even if that yeah. is feeling beaten down by toddlers or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, this podcast is also about uh, small steps to big changes. So, w- what are some of the, the the things that you've done, or the you know all that woo stuff you did, or, and the the things that you've worked on yourself? What do you reckon has made the biggest difference? Okay, so since then, you know, I think like the choice thing has been huge mm. because for a while there, I did really let that failure define me, and I became quite scared of getting back on the horse. Mm. Uh, because it hurt so much, you know, mm. it really hurt. Um, but it also brought some of the best and biggest lessons <laughs> yep. that, you know, sure, it cost me $100,000 for them. I probably could have done it cheaper than that. <laughs> but, I've learned uh, lessons just after a big boozy night. Yeah, you know, well, cost me 100 bucks. so have I. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just as big. <laughs> but like use a condom no I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding uh, I love my daughter so I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> do that but um yeah okay so so what changed well really I decided that you know I the 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 purpose thing just kept on at me mm. you know and and I just kept on following that, really. It's interesting because I think um, what really changed for me were two two key things. One was expectation. Instead of, and this is a really recent one, I let, I seek so much external validation. It's just out of control. And I don't think you're alone there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we all do. I think it's human mm, nature for us mm, to seek external totally. validation. It's, you know, and it, it goes back to just our childhood where we're constantly seeking validation of our parents. And so then we go through life and we're just constantly seeking validation, teachers and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and eventually peers and, you know, whatever. 
and anyone who'll listen really. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I saw, you know, I, I allowed external factors to define who I felt I was and, and to be honest, I hadn't really defined any of that stuff for myself. So I hadn't defined what failure meant. So it defined me, you know, and then I figured out for me, what is failure? And that's why I started Colosophies because I wanted to really find out what failure meant to other people because I was still recovering from that failure then. And what I realized is most people don't even really consider failure. The people who have success generally know that failure just is hand in hand with Part success. The, yeah. Yeah. It's like the yin to the yang. Mm-hmm. Where there's success, there's failure. Mm-hmm. Where there's dark, there's light. Mm-hmm. Where there's fear, there's love, you know. And yeah. And so I just totally lost where I was. It was about failure and um, expectation and stuff. And, you know, I totally hear you on that. Now that I've started to, you know, help and mentor a few people in their businesses, I'm like, dude, your first webinar is probably going to suck. Or why don't you just why don't you just try this? And if it doesn't work, try something else. And there is this expectation that everything, every way in which we show up in the world has to be perfect. Um, You know, motherhood, our households, and especially in business, I think there's so much comparisonitis that can happen. And you think, oh, if this isn't perfect, I'm just not going to do it. But the fact of the matter is I've done stuff that's been awesome. I've done other stuff lukewarm and everything is an experiment Mm. with and we talk a lot you and I about attachment Mm. to the outcome and the less attached you can be to how other people perceive you how well a launch goes um all of that stuff that yeah because that stuff doesn't define who we are yes you know we have a choice that's right about how we see ourselves that is what has shifted in me yeah it's that I don't allow my success or failure to define my worth. Yes. It's a totally separate thing. Yeah. So where I used to define my success as a human being as to whether or not I hit Oprah status, that is no longer like what I've come to realise even just in the last week is that it it really doesn't matter whether Radcasters gets 10,000 podcasters in iTunes or two. The fact of the matter is I've impacted two people's lives in a positive way. Yep. You know, and when it comes to my podcast, I put it out and and I have no idea what happens from there. Mm. And sometimes like old me would be like, I need people to tell me they're listening. I need to know that they're listening. But now I'm like, no, I need to put this out there because, you know, I'm being called to put this out there. So I just got to trust that this needs to go out there because there's somebody who needs to hear this. And even today, I just got an email from someone who was like, I just have to contact you because I listen to your podcast every single episode and it's like you're in my head. And that's why I do it. Yeah. And if she's contacting me, there's other people also who are being impacted, but now it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. If she had sent that email or not, I'm still going to do it. Yeah. It's a nice to have and it it's feels lovely. good, but it's not yeah. like you're hanging for that to prove yeah. that this is a good thing for you to be doing. Yeah. Because it feels like a good thing to yeah. be doing. So the rest doesn't really matter so much, you know, when it feels good. You know, I don't know, like before everyone was telling me, do, you know, you just follow your bliss, follow your bliss. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like I don't even know what my bliss is. What yeah. is bliss? Oh, in your 12, follow your passion. Oh, follow, yeah. follow my passion straight into arts. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the I know. hell? What does that actually mean to people? Yeah. But yeah. It, on my journey, I think that I am, um, Every time I make a decision that's kind of can be a bit impromptu or I just sort of, I remember I woke up one day, it was, I was in the middle of launching small steps and I sort of had a plan. I'm getting better at planning, but (laughs) it never was. And I just woke up, it was Mother's Day and I felt like uh, I just needed to say something to the mums that they needed to be told that no matter how well they're eating or not, they're doing an amazing job. And 
I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't for any reason. It wasn't to get sales. It wasn't to do anything like that. I just, I woke up and thought, I'm just setting up a webinar. I'll put it on my Facebook page and I just need people to, you know, it's Mother's Day. I want to connect with the mums. I felt like I needed to say it. And unbeknownst to me, a woman who I had been admiring so much from afar, Elisa Latto, she's from 123 Nourish Me, was watching that night. And she contacted me the next day, or it might have even been that night, and went, you just nailed that. You, you're amazing. And I was like, oh, my God, she's saying that. And then she said, because I think I might have reached out to her at one point to see if she wanted to be an affiliate for Small Steps. And she was like, look, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she, I hadn't. She said, look, I, I, I do sort of need to see these things before I endorse them. She's got a very particular line on food and health, and I really deeply respect and admire it. Um, and I said, absolutely. But anyway, she jumped on this webinar and she just saw me talk, not about food, but just to the mums, like from my heart to the mums. And she just said, I'm happy to be an affiliate for Small Steps. I love your message. I love everything you're about. Let's do this. And from that, she announced it to her community and all of these people came over and it was just this whirlwind of amazingness. And it was big. And I could not have predicted that. I didn't do that webinar for that. It was just a really nice outcome from something that has come from my heart. And from that moment, I looked back on some of the decisions I'd made. And from now, I can, I absolutely know that when, <clears throat> when you do make decisions that feel really good in you, like there's no push and pull, there's no second guessing. It's like, this has to happen. And that's it. It might not make financial sense. It might not push my business forward, but I just have to do this. Good shit happens every single time. Even if it's just feeling good and giving yourself a buzz. And I just love that. Like, I love that we can, we can, we can do what we want, but it's, I think, you know, from your story about the OC, that would have felt really good at the time, but it was coming from a place of like that under the line stuff. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And when you choose the above the line stuff and to sit in that space and you make decisions from there, then you create more of that. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, we make so many decisions from underneath that line. Oh. Even when it is starting a business or, you know, like we, it's not, it, it's not my story, but it's a story that I hear all the time. And that's one of, you know, a, a, someone has a child and then they have this window where they need to make a business start. Otherwise they have to go back to work. That was me. <laughs> and often that comes from fear. Yeah. And it's just not a good place to be starting <laughs> no. anything from. And But do you know what? I think also that below the line, it also is, it stops us making decisions. Mm. It can be the thing oh, yeah. that does that, like we can just sit, like I can see 100%. There's so many aspects of my life in which I sit below the line and it just stumps me. I don't move. There's no action. And it's only you know, if I'm sitting in that above the line that momentum is created and you can kind of, yeah, that I think fear is a big one and you must hear about that a lot in yeah. philosophies when you're speaking to other female entrepreneurs. Yeah, and and let's be real, I feel it a lot. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think like I think sometimes people see, you know, I certainly, he, here's, a, here's a weird example. I remember when we were at ProBlogger and, um, someone came up and asked if if they could have a photo with the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, yeah. Who? Us. Why? Like, we're not. Why? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know who else is here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we never see ourselves in the same light that other people see us, you know? Yes. And and we never feel as intelligent <laughs> or as funny or sometimes I feel as funny, but, you know, um, as, you know, we just generally – yeah, we see we we don't really have a lot of um as a as a particularly as Australians, we don't have a lot of like oh, self-respect isn't the right word, but a lot of self-love going on, you know, because yeah, it's like we're terrible at it. 
And yeah. I, you know, I, as you know, I was, I had a, a, a like a business coach last year and went to a, a little retreat thing in New York and was surrounded by all these amazing, you know, I even call them amazing, but they were, they were women really kicking ass in business. And I was so intimidated. I didn't feel like I belonged there. I'm like, Hey, I'm just a whole foods blogger, mum of three kids. <laughs> From Australia. Yeah. And then I started to say what had happened in my business. They're like, oh my God, you're amazing. Oh, my, like everything's just happening for you. Like you just got to pull the trigger or get some support at home and wow like this is all and they were unapologetic about how amazing they were they're like I'm really good at this so I'm doing it and I'm getting the support I need in my life to make it happen and that felt so odd because we just do not do that ourselves well we just wait for permission from other people to do it yes And that sometimes comes in the way of external validation and sometimes it literally comes down to somebody saying to you, it's okay for you to do this. Mm. Did you actually realise you're actually really quite good at that? (laughs) Um, No, I hadn't. Yeah. It's weird. I I was um, just writing, I was just in a a private Facebook group of, um, well, uh, I guess it's women creating their own businesses or whatever and um, I'm not active in it a lot but this woman had written something and I wrote back to her and she wrote back to me and I wrote back to her and she said I'm just gonna have to stop right here and say this feels a bit weird that you're talking to me because uh, I know someone who's done small steps to whole foods has raved about you so I've liked your Facebook page and seen you and it sort of feels like I'm talking to a celebrity it's a weird feeling, isn't it? Like I get emails all the time that say, I I just want you to know that I'm not a stalker. That's how they open, like pretty much every email opens with that. I just want you to know that I'm not a stalker, but I just, you know, I love your podcast and I, you know, whatever whatever the rest of the message is. But it's like we, we go into it apologising first, don't we? Even, even when we're trying to tell someone something good, it's like, I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not a stalker. But I really think you're pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's like why can't we just go, I fucking love you. <laughs> I mean, we probably need five beers to do that. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. I'm pretty sure I've done that yeah. like, to people who maybe didn't deserve <laughs> it at the end of a night. Love yeah. you. Love you, Carly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done it's it true, you, though. It does. It. It, but it, it's, yeah, it is. It's kind of... Um, it's an odd thing, and this was what we were originally talking about, was that idea of success and defining it for ourselves because uh, as a, a friend pointed out to me today, her family were talking about um, me and or she sort of said, hey, if you're into Whole Foods, you should check out Lisa Cordaff. And, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, Lisa, love Lisa. And she's like, oh, really? Well, I know her. Like she's a friend, and they're like, you are friends with Lisa Cordoff, OMG. And it's like that and and this friend was like, you know, and here we are just doing our thing and other people think that's really cool. And that is so awesome, but I haven't tripped over in my mind yet to that that means that I'm anything different to this mum who just cannot go to the toilet by herself <laughs> and is just like, you know, forgetting the day that you need to bring your library books to school kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's an, it's an odd thing. And I think your story of, I think that to other people, you would have looked cool and amazing and people would have thought you had it all together that whole time. Well, not really, because I did cry to anyone who would listen. Right. But that was actually something really amazing in itself because what I what actually happened when I did that was I gave permission to do, you know, gave people permission to feel their own emotions and feel shit about their own lives and, you know, like just gave them permission to be honest about where they were at. Oh, there's so much honesty fucking missing in the world. Yeah. Yeah, we've all got this, we've all got it up. Like we've all got I barriers know. up. But it's like I was just speaking to a friend today and she was saying um, that, you know, she posts pictures of a green smoothie and then beats herself up because she's hoffing down a pack of Tim Tams. (laughs) And 
And for me, like this is the thing. If we're talking about success, what does success mean to me? It means being in integrity. Yeah. So for me, when, when what you see online is what you see from me at the shops is what you see at me, from me if we're at Pro Blogger yeah. or what you see from me, you know, when I'm drunk, then I'm in integrity and that is success for me because there's no pretense, there's no fakeness, there's no like – and that is that, like while that is a vulnerable space to be in, mm. it came from being very vulnerable through, you know, having something really big and shit happen and me being forced to ask for help, which I'd never been able to do before. I'm still not very good at it, but I'm learning, Um, you know, and so, so all of that shit and being real and being raw and being honest, like it has done nothing but make my life better. Yeah. And you do make other people's life better by sharing it. You do because- I feel better for it. You you get people commenting all the time like, thank you, Carly, for saying that. And, you know, when you mentioned Oprah before, that that's Oprah too. Oprah is, oh, for sure. you know, she came with pain. She started yeah. talking to the world and she was a broken, per- like she she's not perfect and we all saw her imperfections and rode that with her. And I think that she has brought, what you bring so you know while it might not be to the oprah mega scale it is like still creating change it is from a place of honesty and service and integrity yeah and you know like i think um the the world needs more honesty (laughs) and we need to be like when we do when we do that when we do come from that place of honesty we really do give permission to other people to just feel like they're just a normal human being. Here's the thing about Oprah, right? For us, it's like there's this big gap between where we are and where Oprah is. You know, (laughs) she's like way above us, but she's actually just a human like you and I. There's absolutely nothing, nothing different. We've both had struggle. We've both had fear. We've both had failure, we've both been hurt, we've both loved, you know, it's like- We both take a shit on the toilet. That's it, and our shit stinks. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know. I'm pretty sure Oprah's shit does stink. Yeah. Yeah. Unless she's had some kind of crazy, you know, rose poo surgery or, you know. She could have. I mean, she could shit $100 bills for all I know, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure her shit stinks, just like mine. (laughs) I smell your farts. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think that what you're talking about today and what Oprah probably learned, you know, years and years ago <laughs> is about is about that choice and living in which space we want to live in and letting fear rule or letting love rule. And you're a beautiful example of someone who – yeah, you're you're like a little fighter because, you know, you might feel like giving up sometimes but you don't and you always come back with a new insight into yourself that you actually generously share with the rest of the world via social media and now you're collecting more and more stories in your podcast and just sharing. You get people to go deep, but, you know, and you reveal things about people who we don't often see that vulnerable side of them and we can see them through your podcast. And now you're helping all these other people who with their messages. Yeah. Because, dude, at the end of the day, storytelling is is the shit. It's life. Like it's it dates back to like us sitting around yeah. freaking rocks with fire or something, burning the Guess meat that what we I caught. caught today. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and storytelling it comes from that. Like it's it's within us, you know, it's it's who we are. So like my whole thing now is just like unleash that on the world. Like to keep that locked, that story locked in, it's doing the world a huge disservice. Mm. 
I think about like my grandparents and, and the things that I remember about them are the stories that they told and the stories that I now tell from my experience with them. Story lives on, you know. Your story is your legacy. So for me, like there's no greater honour than what I'm doing right now. And to be honest, like that, yes, it is a certain level of success, but for me it's just I've just been following my nose. I've just been trying stuff and seeing what sticks. There's been no like this has to do this for me. This Um, has to be the thing. How many domain names, Carly? Um, At last count, and that that was active (laughs) domains. 63. 63 domain names, 63 business ideas. Yeah. Yeah. In the last, what, 12 months? Yeah. That's what you call an entrepreneur, people. (laughs) (laughs) I can't turn it off. Well, I think I would have been locked up in the old days. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been committed to a facility for sure. I would have been. I mean, you know, I talk about, (laughs) I talk on the beach to myself and record it like, I would be in That's a facility. That's fucking rock star, all right? <laughs> these That's days, living the freaking the dream. Days, it was <laughs> a mental problem. Yeah, I know. But these days I have my own mental problems. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're all, it's all part of who I am. There's so many things that I would like to talk to you about and so we're going to have to schedule more of this in or just get drunk one weekend very yeah. soon. Let's uh, just do that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and then just record some random stuff. And <laughs> No, we will not be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carly, for talking to us about your story. No problem. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. Thank you for giving me a platform to share my story. I think you're one of the coolest chicks I know and the more the world has of Carly Nemo, the better. Ditto. All right. Love fest over. <laughs> Bye. For more inspiration, interviews and know-how, head to smallstepsliving.com. Small Steps Living, inspiring your best life, one small step at a time.